You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Rique, and I'm being joined by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Oh, good. It, it, was, a, it was a great game this last week. Uh, pretty entertaining, uh, to say the least. Uh, at least, you know, once, once the Bulldogs found their footing and got it going again. It, it turned out to be kind of an exciting game. Just... Uh, Offensively, of course, uh, for the Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, Nevada, uh, not Nevada, but Toledo kind of struggled there for a point, but then were able to to kind of score some garbage uh, points there towards the end. And it didn't really excite the fans too much to see those garbage uh, points be given up. But what did you think overall what happened during that game? Yeah, I just went back and rewatched it last night. And it's, it's, you get a different feel than, uh, well, part of the game I was in the press box, which doesn't look too much different than TV. But when I'm on the field, you know, you know as well as I do to doing the video and stuff, sometimes you don't see quite as how the plays develop and things when you're recording. So that was neat to see. And um, yeah, it was just crazy how quick that game escalated. Uh, Toledo was up 13 7, and then boom, it seemed like Fresno State was scoring every time they got the ball. The defense even scored a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, it got out of hand pretty quick. And um, you know, Toledo's quarterback went down, uh, the backup. Uh, I don't think it really would have made a difference, but uh, the backup clearly didn't quite have the same arm and control of the offense. So, from that point on, it was really lopsided and. Uh, you know, that's still a really talented team, especially at receiver, and it showed the Bulldogs still had quite a few of their starters in when the Rockets scored those points at the end. Um, but it was just impressive that Fresno State was even in a position where they could allow garbage points because that was supposed <laughs> to be a, a pretty competitive game, and it certainly wasn't. Now, I, I was on the field when that uh, play happened, when the quarterback was uh, was removed from the game. Um, it looked like he, he was a little you know woozy after a big hit was that do you think that was because of um concussion protocols that they pulled him out of the game is that why he didn't return yeah that was my guess of it um it was hard to see on the field but watching on tv his his wrist his palm kind of clenched up a little bit it didn't look good for a split second then he got up and we saw uh he came off the sideline with the ref and he looked like he was totally coherent and was like, why are they taking me off the field kind of thing? But And he even came back for a series there, but they must have taken a second look of him, look at him at halftime because he didn't even come out with the helmet. Um, they they knew he was done for the day. Yeah, that uh, that looked... It, it, it he was they were helping him off and he was kind of wobbly as he was moving around so it was kind of it was kind of uh, interesting just to watch him move uh, but you know it, it is it, it it ended up playing to Fresno State's advantage um, you know you bring in a, a another quarterback who's not familiar with the offense who is just trying to do whatever he can just to keep his head above water uh, was uh, was an interesting kind of a thing to you know to develop for him but you know getting thrown in there trial by fire I guess is what they call it but uh, he's uh, he may have to suit up again this upcoming week if they can't get their starting quarterback back for Toledo but you know because of this 
it, it was kind of a, a little bit of a sweet revenge for Fresno State after the last loss that they had against Toledo that I believe Toledo blew them out, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was 52-17, and that was a 2016 season where the Bulldogs had quite a few of those games. But uh, Toledo, you know, as good of a program as they've been over the last decade, you don't want to be Fresno State from the Mountain West and getting blown out by a MAC team. That was a tough one to swallow, even though the Rockets did have their most productive statistical quarterback in school history, and they had Kareem Hunt back there at running back who – is now uh, the starter for the Chiefs and one of those top fantasy football guys. Um, so that was a pretty loaded team. And a lot of those same players were back. Some of the receivers that they had that crushed the Bulldogs two years ago. And uh, same kind of thing for Fresno State. You've got some players that were around for that loss. Some A lot of new guys that Tedford brought in. But uh, for those guys that were there, they knew not only how bad that game was, but how destructive it was in the locker room. That was a bad scene. Uh, for Fresno State after losing that one and kind of spiraled into what we saw the rest of the season in 2016. So a big one for the the guys that have been around through the hard times for sure. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> for them it was, a, it was a, a way to just kind of kind of put that get that monkey off their back and, and, and really show that that, that loss uh, you know, they were able to kind of put it behind them and, and that they ended up coming out as the better team um, from that loss, so it was good for those players uh, who were still on the team that faced Toledo that last time. So it, it kind of got that monkey off their back, so to speak. But you know, we you know we touched upon it. Fresno State came out slow start. It almost looked like they were going to do just enough to lose this last <laughs> game. Um, but like you said, something clicked, and then it was like forty eight, forty nine unanswered points at some point, wasn't it? Yeah, they came out. They well, the defense got a three and out, and the offense scored. And it looked like, all right, here we go. And then Toledo the, controlled the game for a good 10 minutes or so from there. They scored, got a turnover, kicked two field goals. And that was the most fortunate thing was that the Bulldogs were able to hold Toledo to two field goals when they could have had two touchdowns. It could have been 21-7 Toledo. Instead, it was only 13-7. So the Bulldogs, once that did start clicking, it just took one score to take the lead. Another one to distance themselves, and then it was just all Bulldogs from there. And uh, Bulldogs on the opposite end didn't have to settle for any field goals. They tried to kick one right before halftime. That's a whole different story with the clock management. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, that didn't play a big role in this game because uh, they came right out in the third quarter and put up three more touchdowns. <laughs> so uh, they were able to forget about that one pretty quick. But yeah, this game, I, I, I was watching it again, like I said, on the replay. and. Yeah, it looked like it surely felt like it was going to be a, a tightly contested game uh, until boom, <laughs> before you knew it, the Bulldogs were rattling off uh, forty-two unanswered. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It, it started to make me a little nervous watching that at the beginning there, where the, when Toledo came out thirteen. 13 to 7 and it just looked like oh boy this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be last one to score is going to win kind of a thing uh but then the defense did their job clamped down and and it's exactly how we thought it was going to happen where Fresno State defense was going to was going to cancel out Toledo's offense and they weren't going to have enough on defense to cancel out Fresno State's offense and it worked exactly how we predicted it was going to happen so it it ended up being a really good game to watch 
for Bulldog fans to watch that <laughs> offense just start to click. I mean, because for the first time all season, it looked like they were firing on all cylinders, uh, even more so than than the UCLA game. Um, they just seemed like they were in a whole nother zone, didn't they? I mean, it was it was amazing to watch. Um, that was the biggest thing for me because, as you mentioned, we were thinking Fresno State's defense would cancel out Toledo's offense to a bit. I didn't necessarily think the Bulldogs were going to score 49 points, though. <laughs> I thought they might get in the 30s, and that might have made this game something like 35-27, which would have looked a whole lot more competitive. But, yeah, the offense... It, there was a worry after that Minnesota game, but now after these last two, it really does feel like they've kind of taken that step that we hope to see from 2017 to 18 offensively. Yeah, so they're they're really moving along, they're really getting things going, and but you know the the one bright spot, the one thing that we're taking away from this is just how good is this defense? This defense has really stepped up every single game. Even that Minnesota loss, they held Minnesota in check for that whole game. Um, and so, I don't know, Jackson, best defense they've had in quite some time? Yeah, I mean, it's looking as good as it was last year. They're keeping the streak. They've uh, put up 15 games in a row. They haven't given up any more than 27 points, which Toledo it went right to the, that point, but nothing further. Um I mean, it's impressive. The The biggest question mark, of course, was the defensive line, and they've done a terrific job, uh, especially in the run defense. We didn't have to see it too much this past game as Toledo spread things out. But um, like in Minnesota and UCLA, those two teams did not get much going on the run. Uh, Jasad Haynes has really been good in the interior next to uh, Kevin Atkins. So those two have really uh, taken care of business inside. Michael Walker has been fantastic at defensive end. He's doing it all. He even got a pick six. Um, Kwame Jones and Emeka Endo at the other end spot are, are getting there. So it just seems like from top to bottom, I mean, this defense is really impressive. Um, and it looks like they're every bit as effective as they were last year with a different defensive coordinator and a new defensive line for the most part. I mean, it's impressive. And, um, Schematically, I think that's looking back at the tape was what impressed me the most. They were doing a lot of different things with the defensive ends. Uh, Michael Walker and Emeka Endo were able to even drop back at times from the end position, which uh, the Bulldogs didn't have as much of an ability to do with their big run-stopping defensive ends last year. Uh, so I've been impressed with Burt Watts. He's a defensive coordinator. He's making it look just the same, if not better, than last year, and at least over the collective two years, this is one of the best defenses I've ever seen at Fresno State. We'll see if uh, 2018 ends up topping 2017's numbers. Yeah, I mean, this thing is it's moving along very well for, for Fresno State. And we can only hope that things continue to progress. And because, you know what they say, as, uh, as the season goes on, they're typically supposed to get better. So if they're going to get better, that could be a kind of a scary thing to see. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a, a defense that's just going to be able to clamp things down. So what does this mean moving forward when they face teams like San Diego and, and Boise State? Are they, they, should they be able to kind of you know, clamp things down with those teams? Yeah, I mean, they've done a really good job, particularly with teams that are kind of uh, – dependent on either the pass or the run Toledo was a team that wasn't going to run the ball very well except for their quarterback which that got cancelled out when he had to leave the game um, but like again UCLA they didn't pass the ball very well and they stopped the run and now what do you do if you're the Bruins <laughs> um, 
Minnesota was the one game where they kind of had a balance, and even though they didn't put up many points, that that was kind of a, a little bit of a struggle. But looking forward, like this week, Nevada, they, they can run the ball better than they have in the past, so they may present a little bit more of a challenge offensively than Toledo did, but it's still a passing team, and uh, the Bulldogs have no problem stopping either or. Um Hawaii is a team they're going to play down the road, which is a pass-first team. Uh, Wyoming and San Diego State are run-first teams, and it seems like they're really good at making you one-dimensional and taking away the one dimension that you're good at if you're not balanced. So uh, really the only team I think can kind of bring that balance on the schedule that I've seen at least is Boise State, and even then the Bulldogs held them to 17 points in both meetings last year. So, um, I mean... I would be surprised if the Bulldogs give up more than 27 the rest of the way, probably less in most outings. So, um, yeah, I've been impressed. And uh, there's like 10 guys on this defense that could be the star or the key player, and they're all on the same defense. And it's just impressive because, like, every one of those defensive backs is a really good player. All three linebackers are seniors. I'd say at least three of the defensive linemen are just tearing things up and. On a normal defense, so all those guys would probably be standing out. But on this defense, they all kind of collect as one unit. And uh, it just kind of depends week to week who gets the credit. Last week it was Michael Walker. Uh, a lot of times it's Jeff Allison. So, um, I mean, statistically, talent-wise, schematically, this defense has it all. And there's even a few positions they've got the depth, too. Yeah, and and I mean, what can you say? It's Lately, it's been a clinic watching these uh, defensive players play. <laughs> They had that big hit. I mean, textbook, and it's been it's been all over social media. It's been all over the uh, television. Uh, I mean, what can you say about the this team now? They're they're playing with like a chip on their shoulder, and they're just hitting people back to like those Pat Hill days where you know he, the slogan was just shut up and hit someone. Well, they're hitting people, and they're getting they're getting there fairly quickly once that, those receivers and the player has that ball. And so what does it mean for a defense that's playing this hard nose already this early in the season? Yeah, that was uh, a different element we haven't quite seen was the big hits. There was a few of them, but Tank Kelly really had the hit of the day. The receiver caught the ball, turned around, and bam, there's Tank Kelly just laying him out, um, watching it on the overhead for the, the TV viewing or on the broadcast he just like launched him backwards like it wasn't a a wrap up and takedown it was just a sheer force that (laughs) hit that receiver (laughs) wall Uh, and uh, yeah i was right we were i think you were with me too right near that sideline when that happened so that was a i mean you could hear that hit for sure (laughs) there was a few of them jeff allison had the hit that uh, took out the quarterback i believe and um cool thing about all of them were that they were legal uh for the most part all the toledo guys got up even on that big hit by tank kelly the receiver you know it wasn't a shot to any vital part didn't take out his legs or anything so <laughs> and we're in an era of football right now where it can be hard to enjoy those big hits but for the most part these ones were clean none of them were flagged and uh, it was something to give the crowd some excitement and not feel too bad about <laughs> yeah i mean things are, things are getting uh, it's just it's amazing to watch how the these bulldogs are hitting lately and it it just helps 
the the fans just realize just how hard these kids are working um, on and off the field. And, you know, they're going to need some of that moving forward, especially if they're going to contend for a, a Mountain West title. Uh, right now, they're in a good position. They've only lost one game so far. Um, if they can run the table uh, and, and just really take care of business, there could be a chance that the championship game will have to go through uh, Fresno, uh, isn't there, Jackson? I mean, it's it's looking good so far. Yeah, the big one's going to be the trip to Boise in November because even if the Bulldogs go 7-1 and one and lose that one to Boise, they yeah. might have to go back to the blue turf. And um, on the mountain side of things, uh, Wyoming was projected to be the second-best team in that division. <laughs> it doesn't look like it right now, but if they are, they lost to Boise by 20 points last weekend. So uh, there's a chance the Broncos run the table over there. Um, you know, New Mexico lost to Liberty last weekend. Colorado State has been extremely disappointing. Air Force comes off a loss to Nevada. And Utah State's been the one surprise over there. So uh, the other good thing is I believe Boise State uh, this weekend, they're going to take on San Diego State. So that's going to be a challenge there. Maybe they might drop one. But other than that, um, there's a good chance Fresno State and Boise State are both undefeated in conference when that game comes around. And that could decide who hosts the conference championship. And uh, you hope the Bulldogs don't have to go to the blue turf twice in one year. And it would be three times in the last calendar year because they had to play in the championship there last year. So, um, yeah, if you're Fresno State, you really want to get that conference championship game at home for sure. Now, it, you know, you touched upon it. Michael Walker was one of the the top players of the game. But what can you say about McMarion? McMarion is lately he's on fire uh, and he's been scoring a lot of touchdowns with his legs, something that we didn't see too much of last season. What's changed going into this season? Why is the, that now all of a sudden a focus of getting McMarion into the end zone using his legs? Yeah, we saw four rushing touchdowns against UCLA, four passing touchdowns against Toledo, and he's <laughs> becoming really balanced. Um, yeah, they mentioned a stat I didn't really notice on the broadcast was that uh, McMarion hadn't ran for a touchdown until the conference championship game last year, so we didn't see it at all. Um, part of it at UCLA was this kind of quarterback sneak they designed that was kind of a little bit different where he gets a, about three or four opportunities to <laughs> try to get in the end zone and punch that in. That was a pretty cool play design, and Otherwise, uh, I mean, he's mobile, and we saw the one against Toledo looked a little more designed uh, uh, where he was only in the pocket for a second or two where he, and then pulled it down and ran for that last touchdown of the game. Um, I mean, he's shown his mobility, uh, especially at Boise State last year when the offense wasn't doing a whole lot. Uh, he created a lot of things with his legs, and that was kind of the first time we saw him kind of break out in that fashion. And... Um, I don't know if it's just a little more confidence, comfortability. Uh, they feel a little bit better with Jorge Reina now where they can afford to let him run a little bit. Um, whatever it is, it's been an improvement in the offense. And even when he keeps an occasional read option, it can be a big gain for the Bulldogs' offense. And it just adds a little bit of a different weapon. He doesn't do it a whole lot, but uh, when he does, it's effective. Yeah, yeah. So it's... Uh and all of a sudden it's become it's just become the thing now is uh, getting McMarion loose with his legs and that poses a whole different set of problems for the opposing teams now because 
before they didn't have to key in too much on this. They knew he was mobile, but they didn't have to worry too much about it because he never ran with it much. Mm. Well, this year he's already scored five, I think five (laughs) rushing touchdowns. Now they have to account for him. So they're probably going to have to set up some sort of a player uh, to spy McMarion all the time, Uh, which when everybody knows when you do that, it opens up somebody else somewhere else. Mm. So it's, it's a good thing for the Bulldogs and it, it helps them give another dimension to that offense. That is, I think probably one of the best offenses in all of the mountain West right now. Um, and so it's going to be tough for any team in the mountain West to defend against the Bulldogs. And uh, I don't know. It, it gives them a good chance to run the table uh, at least all the way up until the point until they get to Boise, which as we all know, is very difficult to win on that Smurf turf. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens there once that matchup starts getting a little closer. But this week, Fresno State travels to Reno, Nevada. And uh, it's going to be a little bit colder uh, than what we're used to. <laughs> oh, you know, we're used to those hot temperatures and, uh, and, and sweating before kickoff. Uh, but this one, you know, we're probably going to end up wearing some sweatshirts before kickoff on this one. <laughs> But uh, it's – I don't know, Jackson, is does that play into Nevada's hands since Bulldogs are kind of used to playing in that hot weather all the time? Yeah, I don't think it will be too severe to make a big impact. Unfortunately, we've had a little bit of a dip here, a little bit of rain this week in Fresno, which has been odd <laughs> to, to get used to. Uh, it will start coming, I'm, I'm sure, but uh, the first one is uh, always a little bit of a shock, <laughs> especially yeah. this early. Um yeah, uh, Nevada, looking at a team that is really good offensively, but not very good defensively, and they want to air out the ball, and it's kind of a similar matchup as Toledo. And you know, as we mentioned, looking down the road for the schedule, you see a lot of teams where Hawaii's a team that's real good offensively, not great defensively. Wyoming is real good defensively, not offensively. New Mexico is not too great at either. Yeah. <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> I mean, you don't see a whole lot of teams that bring everything to the table like Fresno State does. The Bulldogs have, I mean, a very effective offense, very effective defense. Both are good against the run and the pass. So, I mean, the Bulldogs are in a position where as long as they don't have a disastrous performance or have several turnovers, I mean, they should have clear advantages in these next few games. Um, But Nevada does bring a little bit of an element now that they've shored up their running game. They've got a true freshman running back, Toa Tawa, that's averaging over seven yards a carry. Uh, That could be the one kind of X factor that makes Nevada uh, a threat in this one. And they come off a win against Air Force, which was a little bit of a surprise on the road. So um, don't want to totally sleep on Nevada. But again, this is another one like Toledo where it could be kind of a punch-for-punch game, or the Bulldogs could run away with it in the second and third quarters. Now, what does that also mean since, you know, we've already seen uh, Nevada take on Toledo, and it turned into, you know, a barn burner. Uh, It was punch-for-punch going down the field. Uh, I I think together, collectively, they scored around 90 points collectively together. Um, So, you know, we do know Nevada can score, and it can score in a hurry. Uh, but the problem is, is it, is it s- similar to the matchup that Fresno State faced against Toledo, where Fresno State's defense should be able to cancel out Nevada's offense, but Nevada's defense is going to struggle against Fresno's uh, offense? So is that kind of the way you look at it? It's similar to the way that Toledo uh, matchup? Yeah, that's exactly how I see it. And again, I think Nevada 
just the element that they bring a little bit more balance. They, they are more of an air raid offense, and they're going to want to pass, but their running game has improved, and they're averaging like 50 more yards per game on the ground than they were last year. So that's going to make things a little bit tougher, but at the same time, quarterback Ty Ganji may or may not play in this one. It sounds like he banged up his knee at, against the Air Force last weekend, and uh, that's definitely going to cause some problems, even if he plays. Uh, I imagine he won't quite be 100%. So... Um, that kind of takes a little bit of the threat away, but ultimately this Nevada defense is not very good. Uh, gave up 41 to Vanderbilt, 35 to Oregon State, 63 to Toledo, and uh, even 25 to Air Force in a little slower-paced game where the, the Falcons were running the ball a lot. So um, this is one where the Bulldogs should be able to take well advantage of on offense and get enough stops on defense to get have a few possessions uh, difference. Now, you know, if we look a little closer, Toledo, not Toledo, Nevada's offense, what are going to be the keys there? What, what is Fresno State going to have to kind of key in on uh, on how Nevada does things in order to kind of shut down that offense? Yeah, um, they're expecting to see some similar things to last week, um, especially with the passing game. Uh, Nevada doesn't quite have the receivers that Toledo does, but... Um, they're going to have to key in a little bit more on the run game. Like I mentioned, Toledo was not a team that didn't run the ball very well. They had a mobile quarterback, but um, the running game hadn't been very effective and uh, didn't do a whole lot against the Bulldogs last weekend. Uh, the Bulldogs are going to have to focus in on, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Toa Tawa, who's a, a bigger back with speed, which is a good combination. And it's odd he's doing so well as a true freshman. He's really putting up big numbers. Um, so they are going to have to swarm to the ball, focus a little bit more on the running game and this is the one where if Ganji is not 100% I'm sure they're going to send the the blitz at him and try to rattle him early and uh, we'll see if maybe a second straight week where the opponent has to go to the backup now is it um, it, you know I I haven't really been paying attention but is it the same type of offense that it used to be when Kaepernick was there is it that that what is the the pistol is what they call it yeah so they've got um a new coaching staff in their second year and they're not doing a whole lot of the pistol anymore it's more of a an air raid offense um <laughs> their offensive coordinator is uh, i believe matt mummy who is the son of hal mummy uh who really um created the air raid uh, kentucky and got quite a few programs that go that way um, so they know what they're doing schematically. Um, Talent-wise, they, they don't quite have uh, all the top-tier players that you need to to make it uh, a threat in the Mountain West. But they proved last year um, they didn't. They weren't really doing it very well when they came to Fresno State last season. They were 0 and 5 after they left Bulldog Stadium. But after that, they've been uh, about a 500 team, which is not bad, especially in the Mountain West. Um, so. They've gotten better. Uh, it should be more competitive than last year's game was, but I still see Fresno State having a pretty good uh, separation. Now, yeah. So, but now moving to the other side of the ball, you got uh, you got Nevada's defense. I mean, how how can the Bulldogs kind of take advantage of that? It, it, you know, it's it's going to look like it's a defense that's very porous, uh, <laughs> considering what Toledo did against them. And do they have enough to even keep up with the Bulldogs? Yeah, you can just tell from the, the Toledo game. It's hard, or well, Nevada's Toledo game. It's hard to always play uh, score comparisons and do all that game. But 
you don't give up 63 points by accident. <laughs> that's, a, that's a rough outing. Uh, even Oregon State put up over 30. Uh, Vanderbilt, uh, they won. Vanderbilt beat Nevada 41-10. That's the same Vanderbilt team that barely beat an FCS team last weekend. So, um, yeah, I don't see Nevada's defense putting up a, a whole ton of a fight. Um, it should be probably a little bit easier for the Bulldogs this week than it was against Toledo. Um, as long as the Bulldogs get in rhythm, we've seen if they start off slow, sometimes it can be hard to to get it going. But last week, they they really did click kind of out of nowhere, and uh, I expect to see something similar offensively this week. Yeah, so things uh, things are looking like it. It should be able to roll the Bulldogs' way uh, this upcoming game, but you know. <laughs> That's why they play the games, right? <laughs> we could be surprised. Uh, the Bulldogs, uh, the last couple of years, have had an issue with with some of the teams that they should have beat. Um, is this one of those that's kind of like a trap game, almost similar to like UCL, not UCLA, but NL, UNLV, mm-hmm. uh, where they've obviously struggled the last couple of seasons against a team that they should beat? Is this one that we have to kind of watch out for as a trap game? Um, you know, the, their offensive balance does worry me a little bit. That's just uh, because the Bulldogs don't see a whole lot of teams that are capable of doing both on the pass and run. Um, the Wolfpack have been pretty balanced. Um, they might be able to keep Fresno State's defense on its heels in that manner, but just the overall matchup, Nevada's poor defense, Fresno State's strong defense, uh, I don't see this one being one that trips up the Bulldogs. It might be more competitive than the Toledo game was, which may catch people off guard. But um, it, it's hard for me to see this one playing out in the Wolfpack's favor. Yeah, so this is, even though Nevada has the home field advantage, I'm pretty sure there's going to be plenty of fans making the trip over to Nevada, uh, especially when it's where they can go anywhere to to kind of unwind and, and maybe get some gambling in. So this is probably going to be the trip that they're going to want. This one in the, the UNLV game where they can go to Las Vegas. Uh, so there should be plenty of people heading over to kind of check this out and, and just kind of make it a, a, a small little vacation while they're there. Um, that being said, do you think the fans have seen enough so far during the season that they're going to start to travel more and, and kind of support this team more because last home game, they still didn't fill up that stadium. So what's your thoughts on how this is starting to kind of turn out? As far as uh, traveling, I think the win against Toledo will certainly bump it. Um, the fans that went to UCLA all had a good time with that win. Uh, I talked to some fans that at the Fresno State game against Toledo at, at Bulldog Stadium where if the Bulldogs won, they might make that trip to Reno. If they lost, they're probably going to stay home. So... Uh, that was a confidence booster for them. Uh, for the overall fan base at Bulldog Stadium, I still think it's going to take some more wins to string together, maybe closer to the top 25, which <laughs> they should get if they keep winning uh, consecutively. Um, I think some more of these uh, conference games might draw a little better than Toledo, too. Uh, just fans are a little more familiar with a Wyoming or a Hawaii uh, that may travel a few more fans as well in the next month. Um, so... I think we'll see an increase week to week, maybe get closer to 35, 36,000 in the stadium. And if the Bulldogs can beat Boise State, then you've got the pandemonium of a <laughs> uh, top 25 team, most likely. They would be, what, uh, nine and one, I think, at that, eight, yeah, nine and one at that time. So 
uh, definitely uh, potential for some big crowds uh, down the road if they can keep it up. Now, who's after Boise? Does that game come back to, to Fresno after Boise? Yeah, they finish with two home games after that, San Diego State and San Jose State. So particularly that San Diego State one's going to be a big one. Uh, and if the Bulldogs... Or still have the momentum. They should have a big crowd for senior night against the Spartans too. Yeah. So if they should if they should be able to go down to Boise and pull off a win, come back home and still be nine and one, chances are that stadium is going to be rocking for that San Diego State game, uh, which by all means is always been a great game to watch because it's a, a, a an old rival, um, and you know it's for the oil can, and so <laughs> there'll be people here just to watch that rivalry game. Um, and say they get past San Diego and they go and then they play again at home against San Jose. Does San Jose have enough to kind of upset the Bulldogs and kind of spoil the party there at the end? Well, you sure hope not. Since it's about the same date, the 2013 team uh, got spoiled by the Spartans. That's, they had to, that's why I'm bringing it up. They had to go to San Jose for that one, but, um, Yes, yeah, so the Spartans are interesting. They've really put up a fight against Hawaii. Now, Hawaii has a really poor defense, but uh, I was surprised the Spartans were able to take advantage of it. They went to five overtimes. Both of those teams missed opportunities to put it away, and ultimately Hawaii came out on top. But uh, San Jose State showed some signs of life last weekend. They even played Oregon pretty tough the, the prior before their bye week. Uh, the two games before that were real bad. Uh, lost to Davis, UC Davis, and a 31-0 shutout at Washington State. Um, but it looks like they've kind of figured things out a little bit. Um, we'll see if they're competitive by November. Now, on, on Fresno State's schedule, other than than uh, Boise State being an obvious game that, they, that we have to watch out for, is there anybody else on the schedule that should be able to contend with the Bulldogs? Yeah, I just have trouble seeing that kind of complete team. That's what it's going to take to beat the Bulldogs. Um, even San Diego State is a team that doesn't pass the ball very well, and we showed how Fresno State was able to take advantage of that last year in that 27-3 win in San Diego. Um, in San Jose State, they showed some balance, but they're just not good enough overall, I don't think. Um UNLV is going to be one that's going to be some storylines because the Bulldogs are going to want to avenge that loss from last year. Uh, they're a team that hasn't really passed the ball very well. Um, Hawaii is a interesting one. Their offense has been terrific, but their defense has been bad. and uh, They may be bowl eligible by the time they come to Bulldog Stadium at this rate. They're already 5-1, and one, so that might be a big crowd drawer and an exciting one because Hawaii is the team that it's probably going to put up points regardless of how good the Bulldogs are defensively. Uh, Wyoming's got a great defense, but no offense. I mean, it's just hard to to pick one of those games out and say, for, I mean, if for Fresno State to lose one of them, it's going to take a real disastrous performance, uh, either a flat one or a lot of turnovers. I mean, for me, on paper, it's really Boise State and uh they'll probably be underdogs at that one. It might be the only game they are underdogs the rest of the year and they'll have to play their A game to come out of that one with the win. So basically short of a complete defensive meltdown on the Bulldogs, uh, they should be able to, to compete throughout the season and, and really uh, only one that they should really have trouble with is going to be Boise uh, moving forward through the season. But like I said, that's why they play the games because things could happen from one minute to the other. <laughs> Some star players could go down. And uh, it, it, the key for the Bulldogs now moving forward is just staying healthy. 
and keeping everybody in key positions going, then they should be able to have a very good season this season. Uh, and, you know, then all we have to worry about is where the Bulldogs are going to go on a bowl game. <laughs> and then uh, and then try to book our flights for those. Um, <laughs> but, you know, before we get off, one other thing that we forgot to mention was uh, this past game, Fresno State played host to a number of recruits in uh, in Bulldog Stadium. Probably, I don't know, Jackson, I, I can't remember the last time I seen so many recruits in the house at the same time. <laughs> Do you ever remember having ever seen that many recruits there at, at once? That was a big group. Uh, that might have been the biggest <laughs> that I've seen on the sidelines. Um, I mean, they've had some games where there's a lot, but man, it looked like probably... 75 plus it looked like a lot of uh, local guys some of those are not always the you know the legitimate recruiting targets but uh, they keep a good relationship with them invite them to the game and uh, some of those are the 2020 or 2021 guys who may turn into legitimate recruits for the bulldogs in a year or two but man there was a lot of them uh, we've got a pretty good list of who was here on the premium board um Included five-star local running back Kendall Milton, who I also talked to on Sunday, and I've got that interview on the premium board, too. He was pretty uh, amped about the way the Bulldogs have been playing and seeing his brother and enjoy what the Bulldogs are doing right now. He's the safety on the team, Kalan Milton. Um, yeah, there were, there were a few pretty big uh, prospects, too. I've talked to a couple of them, and we'll be posting those interviews. And um, yeah, Fresno State, they've got six commits on the board right now, but... Um, now you start getting into the period of the season where recruits can come to these games, start scheduling official visits, and it should be picking up here pretty soon. Yeah, and, and I expect to probably see some more commits happening here in, within the next two to three weeks probably, um, especially as we get closer and closer to that December signing period. Mm. Uh, the Bulldogs, like we saw last year, they want to try and take advantage of that and get their players committed in December versus waiting all the way until what is it, April, uh, to get them to commit. Um, that's a strategy that Tedford likes to do, it, it, a smart one, so that the other universities don't come in at the last minute and swoop those players away. Right, Jackson? I mean, it's- Yeah. Um, uh, they had a, built up a pretty big class last season by December, and they pretty much told them, sign now or <laughs> we're going to find someone that will. And uh, they only lost, I think, one guy decided to test the waters elsewhere. Um, so if they can get them locked up by December, not only do they not have to worry about it for the February signing day, but they also don't have to spend a whole lot of effort recruiting any further. Last year, they only signed one more player after uh, December. Uh, we haven't seen as many commits publicly at this point, so uh, maybe the Bulldogs will be having a little more action after December this year, but uh, they really want to get things locked up by December as much as they can. Yeah, and in just because there, you know, we only show six doesn't mean that there isn't others that we don't know about. <laughs> we try to do the best we can to try and get that information, but as of right now, we only know of six. Uh, we'll keep our eyes open to see if maybe there's anybody else out there, and we'll continue to to, to scour uh, our contacts and find out if there's anybody that else that's getting closer or has committed to the Bulldogs. And you can find all of that information on our premium boards first. Um, and you know, I know some of the diehards like going over there and, and knowing exactly what's going on. Some of the more casual fans, 
probably don't really care as long as the Bulldogs are winning. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, and that's usually how it goes. So we try to cater to both sides, uh, either the diehards or the the casual fan. Um, but if there's something else out there that you guys want to hear more about or or want us to to kind of report more about on the website, let us know. Reach out to us. Um, you can find us on the boards uh, as usual and. You know, you can either post it on the premium if you're a premium subscriber, or you can post it on the uh, on the regular board, and we'll we'll find it somehow, or send us an instant message, right, Jackson? I mean, there's always a way to do that on there. Oh yeah, you message us on the boards, on social media, uh, message or just add us on Twitter. <laughs> just we'll get it one way or another. Yeah. So that being said, Jackson, I think we're we're about ready to wrap this one up. Is there anything else you want to talk about while we're while we're still on here? Uh, just got some more content, of course, coming uh, on the premium board. Um, we didn't talk a whole lot about basketball, and it's still early, but I was out at the first practice and got a pretty comprehensive report uh, on the premium board, photos of all the new guys and impressions of what they look like so far and what they bring to the table and some interviews with the coaches and players. So uh, we'll be hitting basketball before you know it, uh, about a month away from the season tip-off. Um, otherwise working real hard on football um, some different story ideas on the premium board with the interviews from practice and um, we take a look at the recruiting breakdown each week and uh, that kind of stuff so uh, always a lot of content to go around and uh, give you the inside look at Fresno State football and recruiting and then as we get closer to basketball season uh, you know Jackson and I will continue to cover um once basketball hits, we'll, we'll cover basketball as well, uh, and we'll start doing some of these podcasts kind of centered around basketball. I'm not the biggest knowledge of <laughs> basketball, but I will do what I can to kind of keep this thing going. Uh, that way, we'll report on basketball. Now, I know Jackson. Question: You've been uh, you're doing this full time now. What is there anything else in store since we're uh, you're once football season is over with and basketball, is there going to be anything else, any other kind of coverages that, for people to look out for? Well, I'll be able to hit recruiting harder, which is nice. Um, and something I'm trying to get into earlier than we've done in the past, because usually, uh, you know, there's so much focus on football and then the season ends and then it's a kind of a mad rush to find out where the recruits are at. So uh, getting an earlier jump on that this year during the season, um, talking to some of these kids that are taking the unofficial visits, the ones that were in Bulldog Stadium on Saturday, um, got an early release on the recruiting hot board, which unfortunately has already seen two out of the five get knocked out <laughs> committing elsewhere. Um, but I'm going to be loading that up with some more prospects, the top guys that Fresno State's looking at. And if you're not familiar with what that feature is, um, we look at Fresno State's top uh, prospects that they're going after and rank them on a combination of uh, rank, like the high school rating, if they're how high, how many stars they have, as well as the need that Fresno State has for them, how likely they are to get them, and that's a good com- comprehensive way to keep up with Fresno State recruiting. And um, being full time, I'll also be able to not only cover basketball, but be at the practices and do a little bit more of that stuff and uh, get a better look at where this team is compared to just looking at them on game day. Yeah. So and there you go. There's there's more. more coverage coming through the pipelines Um, just make sure you head back to the website as much as possible and new things will keep popping up there uh, throughout the season uh, as we continue to to cover uh, Fresno State the best that we can Um, if you that being said if you're looking for us you can find Jackson on Twitter Um, just look for Jackson Moore 247 you can also find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report uh, or head over to the boards and you can find us both there Jackson Moore, Lucio Arik 
Um, and make sure you head over to our Facebook page, the Barkboard Facebook page. Uh, give it a like. We're still trying to reach that 4,000 mark. We're getting close. We're getting so close. So uh, if you haven't done so already, head over to our Facebook page and give it a like. As we post everything that's going on, um, as soon as a story gets published, it goes there. So it gives you basically like a notification of new content from the website. That being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.